Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Researchers recently received more than $600,000 from the National Science Foundation to study how sea sponges contribute to the base of the coral reef food web. Although most of the researchers are based at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina, Dr. Cole Eason, a lecturer and research assistant professor at MTSU, is one of the grant project collaborators. We'll dive down deep for the answers after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. A team of university officials visited Delta Airlines World Headquarters in Atlanta recently with the goal to further promote veteran outreach and adult degree completion opportunities. The officials met with the leadership of Delta's Propel program, which provides select students in the university's Department of Aerospace with, quote, qualified job offers that detail a defined path and an accelerated timeline to become a pilot in the airline. MTSU was one of eight universities nationwide selected by Delta in 2018 to participate in Propel. Aerospace is the most popular major among MTSU's student veteran population. The MTSU team also toured Delta's flight operations and technical operations centers and huddled with the airline's Veterans Business Resource Group. That's an employee-led effort to support a corporate commitment to recruit and hire those who have served in the armed forces. And on December 3rd, the Office of Fraternity and Sorority Life handed a check for over $6,800 to the A Soldier's Life Foundation in the Student Union Building. Students raised the funds during the Crash the Commons Change Wars on September 3rd through 5th on the Student Union Commons. Leslie Merritt, Director of Fraternity and Sorority Life, said Greek organizations and residence halls competed over a three-day period to top their rivals in raising money for a worthy cause. A Soldier's Child, now in its 11th year, is a nonprofit organization that benefits children who have lost a parent to military service. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Welcome, Cole. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. What makes sea sponges so important? So uh, sponges sponges are a key component of many marine ecosystems, um, but on, on coral reefs, they... Uh, they sort of function as the the nutritional engines of the reef. They they're responsible for, I guess, if we simplify it, sort of feeding a lot of the other organisms on the reef. So they're they're a key link in uh, how uh, this really diverse community survives in an environment that is actually very nutrient poor. Uh, coral reefs, despite being very diverse and having a lot of um, just many, many organisms in them actually exist in the equivalent of, of, a, of a marine desert. Uh, and one of the ways, one of the really important ways that all of these organisms get the nutrition they need is because of sponges and because of the nutrient transformations that sponges do. What is it that makes their filtration systems so special? Um, so they, so sponges are this really ancient lineage of organisms. Um, and they have these specialized cells called coanocytes. Um, and 
the way the way the sponge's body is organized is it's a series of canals and uh, then you have these chambers that are full of these specialized cells that uh, sort of uh, they make the system work they form sort of the the, the vacuum that pulls water into the sponge and then pushes it out uh, a different spot. And it, in that process, they also trap um, bacteria and small particles out of the water. So they're, uh, they're sort of the, the filters of the sea. They filter out a bunch of stuff out of the water column that might, you know, make the water less clear or um, something like that. But they, they eat these things. Um, and then they also absorb um, a lot of really, really small, like dissolved particles that they can then take, take in, um, and use, um, at, you know, for their nutrition. Sponges are animals just mm -hmm. like us. So they have, uh, some of the, some of the same nutritional needs that we, that we do. Um, so they have to figure out, uh, interesting ways to satisfy those nutritional needs. And one way is pumping. They, they filter out all these particles and all these things out of the water that they can break down. Um, but another key link and an area mm -hmm. that I focus uh, is the microbes, their microbiome, the, all of the symbionts that they host uh, in, their, in their tissues. What is dissolved organic matter, DOM? How important is that to the coral reefs? So uh, dissolved organic matter is, it's, so, so the, it's organic compounds that are really, really small. So once a once the size of a particle reaches a certain point, it's considered uh, dissolved. Um, and are, so, are they microscopic? Yeah, you you, you could only see them with a microscope. You could not see these with a microscope. They're that small. They're that small. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're essentially free floating compounds. Um, and dissolved organic matter is is really important to the, the ocean ecosystem in general because it's a lot, it's where a lot of organisms get sort of pull for, from their, for their energy resources. Um, the issue becomes that a lot of the compounds are, um, they're really complex. They're really hard to break down into something usable. And so um, we often need the help of uh, like a, like a bacteria or an archaea or, or some, some uh, metabolic step in the middle to allow for animals to utilize that, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's a really it's a key resource, and it's something that is actually uh, fairly abundant in the ocean. And that will be part of the study as well. Yeah, so we have we actually have uh, two studies. Um, the the one on the dissolved organic matter specifically is looking at um, how sponges are changing that dissolved organic matter pool. So we'll be uh, drilling down into the uh, the detailed chemistry, which is the specialty of my collaborator, Dr. Fiore at Appalachian State, um, diving into that to see exactly what metabolites, what chemical compounds are in the water, and then which ones um, are the sponges making. So we we compare what the sponges take into their body and then what they pump back out. And we can see uh, from looking at the chemistry of each of those, we can see uh, what the sponges are doing with the available resources. And then given what we know about these different compounds we find, we can uh, make some, uh, form some hypotheses about 
how those uh, nutrients might be utilized, the ones that the sponges are, are giving out to the reef. We'll take a break right here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Early Childhood Training Alliance, or TECTA, works to improve the quality of child care in Tennessee by establishing a statewide training and professional recognition system. Through TECTA, child care providers may be eligible for free orientation training, tuition support for early childhood academic courses, and networking opportunities, as well as other services. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. Dr. Cole Leeson is our guest. He is a lecturer and research assistant professor in the de Department of Biology at MTSU and a participant in a study of sea sponges funded by the National Science Foundation. Uh, the field work is slated to take place off the island of Curaçao in uh, the Caribbean Sea in the summer of 2020. Why that particular region? Uh, well, when... Uh when you work uh, on coral reefs in a place like Tennessee, you have to go to a research station. So uh, often right. when we're trying to select a uh, location to work, we will mm -hmm. look at what the what infrastructure is available at mm -hmm. different places. So would it be because it's more economic to go to someplace relatively close as opposed to, say, the South Pacific to study sea sponges or something like that? That, that is definitely a calculation in it. Yeah, it's much cheaper to go into the Caribbean than to the Pacific. The other reason for going to the Caribbean is we have a lot of data ourselves from the Caribbean, and we're very familiar with the sponges that live there, and less so in the Pacific because we haven't been there as much. Will you participate in the field work? I will. What will that entail? So next summer we'll be in Curacao, and we'll be doing a lot of diving. And the diving we'll be doing will be we'll, uh, collect a lot of sponges and water samples. Um, and one of the cool things we do is we have this little this little apparatus we build that sticks a little bitty tube inside a sponge and it samples just the water that's coming out of it. And so we can get a sample of the water on the reef and then the, the water that's coming out of the, the sponge itself and just get that and then uh, look at uh, the chemistry of that water. See, you know, as I mentioned, what what metabolites are, are in there and what that might mean. I'll actually look at the microbial communities in there to see if we get different microbes that are doing different types of nutrient transformations. That will be a, a key part because many of the nutrient transformations that are done in sponges and on the reef itself are done by prokaryotes, by bacteria uh -huh. and archaea. Is the sea sponge a unique ocean critter in the way that it processes intake and expresses uh, outflow? Is there anything quite like it in the deep? So you have other organisms that filter water. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the sponge is definitely unique, and it, it's, it's, it's a whole separate phylum of organisms, you know, that have been around for 600 million years. But you, you certainly have other organisms that uh, filter out 
particles out of the water, things like uh, your bivalves, your oysters, your clams, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you also have uh, tunicates that have a, a siphon that they, they filter water through. So there are other distantly related organisms that adopt some similar strategies, but I would argue sponges are very unique. They're, they're a very simple organism. They, they do some complicated processes and maintain complicated symbioses because they've had all this time to get those just right. Yeah, they're so ancient. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's some estimates that they are the, uh, the oldest lineage of animals on earth. As you know, man has created some systems that we can't filter, let alone a sponge. Um, you're going to an area that I take it is relatively unpolluted, right? It's, uh, it's mixed. The, Curacao is not bad as as far as pollution, but uh, it still has its problems, as do most coastal and island uh, communities. Because uh, they depend upon tourism, and uh, you have a great influx of humans coming through there. Right. And, you know, it's, it's tropical, so it rains a lot, so you get a lot of runoff. And instead of runoff off of a nice rainforest, you get a runoff off a asphalt parking lot or, you know. Mm-hmm people's yards that they've fertilized. And um, so we certainly see impacts of, uh, of, of humans. Um, they, you know, and it, it often locally comes in the form of nutrient runoff, which can sort of shift the balance for how uh, the reef as a whole processes nutrients. Mm -hmm. um, so you can get things like algal bloom. So you get a lot of algae growth and that can, uh, smother some species, corals and sponges. Um, and then you have uh, broader processes like, you know, ocean acidification and global warming that um, are have been extremely detrimental to corals, but um, at least in the Caribbean, not, not as much for sponges. Sponges actually are doing okay with that. And as the corals have really died off, the sponges are starting to... It, the trend seems to be that the sponges are starting to take their place on the reef. Mm -hmm. um, and so sort of the broader scope of our study is trying to figure out, okay, if we, if we lose all or most of these corals and the sponges are doing all these things with the nutrients, what does the future reef look like? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we're trying to understand it as it's functioning now and then be able to use that information to maybe look into the future mm -hmm. a bit. Coral reef is sort of the ocean's condominium complex in that a lot of critters live there. They don't necessarily interact with each other. Some do, some don't. But they're all dependent upon that community, if you will, for their survival. Yeah, that's a that's a great analogy. It's they're all stacked in there. And uh, yeah, when when you lose key pieces out of it, you have sort of this. It's like taking the foundation out of the condominium. In some cases, a whole the whole ecosystem can collapse if you remove just a couple members. So, yep. yeah. And uh, for someone who uh, sees a sponge only as that thing they use in the kitchen uh -huh. and doesn't quite relate to why this is so important, uh, and without uh, dumbing it down, can you give us the bigger picture of why it's important to make sure we understand ecosystems in the oceans as as well as possible. Sure. So uh, most uh, most humans live by the ocean. 
that it's it's um, it's over half of the human population lives on a coast somewhere. And we see that in the United States, the, the most populous areas are along the coast. Um, and so and and these communities and especially when you go into the Caribbean islands or Central America, um, these countries and communities depend on the ocean, not just for tourism, which has become, you know, the main economic engine of, of many places, but also for food. And, um, you know, the ocean modulates the weather and all, all of these factors sort of come together. Um, and, you know, under, understanding how an ecosystem works helps us to protect it. In the end, if we if we don't have any idea of how, say, a coral reef works, how these different interplays of different organisms work, what it takes for, say, a coral or a sponge to, you know, be successful to thrive on a on a reef, then we don't know what we can do to fix it if something goes wrong. And we've seen, of course, lots of evidence of things going wrong, um, and often the the gap in our understanding of how a system works doesn't allow us to try to remediate it. Um, so understanding uh, these coastal ecosystems is is really economically important. And there's uh, loads of data out there to just to support just how important and just coral reefs are, even to the US, which doesn't have very many coral reefs, given where we are on the globe. Um, <laughs> Anyway, and it's it's millions and millions of dollars of you know in economic terms that is the value of just the the reefs along Florida. So um, yeah, I would argue that it's really really important that we understand them. We'll take another break here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Dr. Cole Leeson is a lecturer and research assistant professor at MTSU in the Department of Biology, and he's participating in a study of sea sponges along with researchers at Appalachian State University uh, and uh, the National Science Foundation uh, contributed a $600,000 grant toward that project. Does it not strike you as slightly ironic that a professor from a landlocked state is participating in uh, sea sponge research? I I do see that a, a little bit of the irony in that, um, but most most of my colleagues, including my colleague at Appalachian State, you know, North Carolina is not landlocked, but 
Boone, North Carolina is about as far from the coast as we are here. It's up in the mountains. It is. So um, we we just have to travel. You know, we I, I'm glad that airplanes exist. And, <laughs> um, you know, so it's it certainly adds some some hurdles to uh, doing field work. We definitely have to be on it when it comes to planning. And um, and that's why uh, selecting a good uh, field site with good infrastructure there is really important because um, often at our field sites, if we forget something, there's not a Target or a Home Depot down the road to go get the supply. So... Um, is it difficult competing for grants with universities that are already, say, in Florida or the Texas Gulf Coast or someplace where they're a little bit closer to the action? Um, it's getting getting grant money is competitive just anyway. Um, if the funding rate through the National Science Foundation is, is pretty low. Um, but generally speaking, I... I don't think those inst- those institutions typically have people that are well funded, and there's certainly competition. But um, the I don't think that me being at Middle Tennessee State hinders me in that competition. I think the main the main thing uh, is I compete with other quality researchers uh, with other quality projects, but. My location, I don't think, factors into that very much. How long do you, are you expecting this particular study to take before you have something that you would want to publish in a peer-reviewed journal? Well, so we're going to collect data next summer. Uh, that will be the first data on the project. And uh, we will then, probably over the fall semester, uh, do all of the laboratory work. And then our goal would probably be to get a publication out the following spring um, of on our first summer's work and, um, you know, use that to springboard into uh, the next summer because you always find sort of little things that you want to tweak along the way. And so knowing what those are going into our second summer is would be valuable. So it, that helps us uh, be motivated to keep keep up with the timeline on that. Yeah. And how are you and your Appalachian State colleagues divvying up the work? What's the division of labor? Her specialty is um, the metabolomics work. So the, it's sort of a black box to me a little bit, but she's really great at it. It's sort of the detailed chemistry down to like individual vitamins and metabolites and all, all these things that are in the water. Um, my role in this is actually, uh, I do a lot of microbial genetics and next generation sequencing using the facilities here at MTSU. I will have samples of all the microbial communities that live in sponges that are in the water, either that sponges are putting out or taking in. Um, and so I'll, I'll handle that part, including all the data analysis and then, um, then we sort of bring that together to form one hopefully coherent story that mm-hmm. um, is then what the publication is about. Nice to have that new science building, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> I am not lacking for infrastructure here, for sure. So I'm, I'm really lucky to have that at my disposal. I have read somewhere that sea sponges can contain as many as 145 antimicrobial compounds for potential medical uses. Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, This actually goes back to what I did some in grad school. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of interest in drugs from the sea um, and, uh, you know, bioprospecting, exploring 
avenues for for new sources of new compounds, new sort new sources of drugs um, for human use. I personally have always been more interested in the sponge and what the sponge might use them for. So, mm -hmm. in terms of um, the the sponge containing these compounds, you know, this is an organism that is stuck in place for its entire life, and so if something about the environment becomes unsuitable, it has to deal with it in that spot. And uh, one thing it has to deal with is um, is organisms trying to overgrow it, including like bacterial mats and uh, different types of infections and things like that. So uh, sponges in their long evolutionary history have developed different compounds, um, either the sponge or its symbionts have developed different compounds that help fight away these bad bacteria. Um, and they, because they're sessile stuck to the bottom, they, they sort of have to always just deal with it in place. And, um, and, you know, that's, that's their strategy for survival, but it's a really cool, um, and of a lot of interest to, to us as humans, because we want to, uh, find new, new, drugs, there's, you know, interest for cancer drugs, because there's a lot of really complex compounds in, in these organisms. And sponges are not unique to this. There's other reef organisms and bryozoans and things like that, that have all these compounds that help protect them in their environment, but also may have some uses for us in medicine. Makes you wonder whether the reef needs it more than man does, or if man needs it to stay on the reef more because of the possibilities of climate change and ecosystems breaking down having bad impacts on man. Right. Certainly, you know, you, you, you think about it through that lens, you know, if we destroy these habitats, we destroy these potential sources of, you know, new drugs and new treatments for uh, a wide range of diseases. So it sort of adds to this, why are these ecosystems important? And you know, that's just one more one more layer to add support to that argument. Will you have students helping you in your work on this study? I will. Yeah. Um, I have a, a grad student, a master's student here that will be helping me. And then uh, I have a few uh, undergrads that are working in my lab currently. Um, I am I, I think one will accompany me to the field um, and then the rest will help process in, in the lab and um, things like that. We wish you the best. Well, thank you. Dr. Cole Eason, lecturer and research assistant professor here at MTSU. Thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. We'll be right back. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brown bag series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU offers students an entry into the wonderful world of real estate through a flexible degree and concentration program within the Jones College of Business. Dr. Philip Seagraves, Associate Professor in the Department of Economics and Finance, explains how the program isn't just about selling houses. Every person who wants to buy real estate is typically going to borrow money, so we prepare the real estate 
mortgage and loan officers. We prepare the appraisers. Mm -hmm. We prepare the property managers who run the shopping centers and the malls and the office complexes. We prepare the people who work in the government organizations like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So mm -hmm. it's a really a neat and broad area of just getting into real estate. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.